Our subject today is one that I would imagine you've never heard a, a message about, and, and yet it's a, a topic which the Bible has a lot to, to tell us on. So many in the world have come to see the protection of the environment as an important cause, and positions can be taken to either the extreme of deifying the planet or the extreme of disregarding the planet. So today we want to look at what the Bible says and strive for a, a balanced understanding. It makes sense to work together with those on, on either side of us for this common cause. And as we do so, doors will open for us to share the most important cause of all, that, that the God who provided this exceptional place for us to live has provided through his son an even more exceptional place for us to live with him for eternity. In addition to the Bible, I used three books in the preparation of this message, which were helpful, but I want to give special acknowledgement to the author Tri Robinson and his book, Saving God's Green Earth, which I utilized heavily in writing this message. I'm going to share a story that he relates in the book. He said, a few years ago, during a wedding reception at our church, I was cornered by a woman who asked, are you the minister of this church? And the tone with which she asked the question made me think that maybe I didn't want to be at, at that moment. However, I, I confessed that I was, and I braced for impact and whatever she was going to hurl in my direction. She said, this wedding reception should be a crime. I've never seen so many items going to waste instead of going into recycling bins. And Robinson said, I, I was embarrassed by the stinging truth. I had not led our church in this area, and we had no church-wide recycling program. He said, God had already been at work in my heart about the issue of environmental stewardship, but this incident began to push me toward taking action. While the pressing question was, how can I make caring for the environment a value in my church? The more troubling question for me personally was, how did this once strong value all but disappear. So today, I hope to open our eyes to the responsibility that we have to be good stewards of, of the earth. Some churches have talked about the importance of the environment, but few have rolled up their sleeves and gone to work in a way that's necessary for conservation and renewal to occur. And my prayer is that you will see this is a way for Christians to live, and you will see how a, a new attitude in this area can save God's green earth in, in more ways than one. The psalmist wrote in, in Psalm 24, verse 1, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So today, let's consider the fact that Christians have a duty to care responsibly for God's creation. First, let's look at the, the role of, of creation. What is the role of creation? The role of creation is to point mankind to God. As the Bible opens, Genesis chronicles God's magnificent creations. Men, women, plants, trees, animals, sun, moon, stars, land, sky. And with the creation of Adam, the, the scene shifts to, to the new garden where the fall of humanity eventually occurred. When Adam and Eve sinned, and introduced sin into the world there in Genesis chapter 2. And suddenly the garden was defiled. 
And as we read ahead to the end of the book, all the way to the last chapter, Revelation 22, we see that God brings us back to a restored garden. The Bible begins in a garden paradise, and it concludes in another garden-like paradise. I think this should make us sit up and notice that there's something significant about a garden. Something that tells us that God values the relationship between his people and the rest of his creation. If one of the ways that God reveals himself to people is through his creation, doesn't it stand to reason that we should share in his high value of caring for the environment? One of God's first commands to mankind there in Genesis 2.15 was to tend his garden. God has, has given us his creation as a way of providing for people. Think about his provision. Plants and trees produce fruits and vegetables and, and herbs, which are all healthy sources of nourishment for people and animals. And properly managed land is what sustains these plants to grow. And that the fruit of the land sustains human existence. It's a way that God shows care for us through what he has created. Our day-to-day -day choices how we treat animals, how we care for our natural resources, such as water and air, are important because they're part of God's plan for, for resourcing and, and providing for his creation. And so God has given us every herb, every natural source from which medicines are, are derived. But if we don't take, take care of these plants, then we're ultimately hurting ourselves. God called Moses to be a game warden of sorts and to protect the balance of creation. In Deuteronomy 22, verses 6 and 7, there teaches a principle that perpetuates life while still providing for needs. It suggests a, a wise method of managing livestock. This is what that passage says. If you come across a bird's nest beside the road, either in a tree or on the ground, and the mother is sitting on the young or on the eggs, do not take the mother with the young. You may take the young, but be sure to let the mother go so that it may go well with you and you may have a long life. It reminds me of the, the joke about the man who was on trial for eating the egg of an endangered condor. He claimed he had gotten lost in the national forest and he had had to invade the, the condor's nest to eat the egg for his own survival. His lawyer argued persuasively, and the judge was so moved by the plight of this man's unfortunate predicament, understanding that harming the protected condor egg was obviously brought on by an isolated, extenuating circumstance, which had prompted him to do something so illegal and drastic for self-survival. The judge cleared his throat and, and read the verdict. He says, I find you not guilty of interfering with protected wildlife. And then as an afterthought, the judge asked the defendant, by the way, I was just wondering, what do condors taste like? The man said, it, it tastes a lot like bald eagle with a little bit more flavor than spotted owl. <laughs> well, maybe it wasn't such an isolated situation after all. God calls people to be responsible in terms of making sure that the harvesting of animals is done in a responsible way. Allowing animals to become endangered because of human abuse is unacceptable. That's 
what happened to the American bison or, or buffalo. They, they once roamed the plains of, of Indiana with large herds totaling in the millions. A few years ago, this proud symbol of the American West was on the verge of extinction. But in recent years, wise management has restored their numbers to safe levels, enabling restaurants like Ted's Montana Grill to offer the dining value of leaner, healthier bison meat, which is better for you than beef and, and has good flavor. We are accountable for the way that we handle our, our delicate balance of nature. Psalm 19 contains these lyrics to a song written by King David, a song of praise to God. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth and their words to the ends of the earth. I remember hosting a seminar on protecting your family from drugs and substance abuse. And afterward, I was speaking with a former addict who was present. And Spencer told me that it was the intricacy of the creation's design that first led him to believe in God, which led to his deliverance from drug addiction. And that's what David the psalmist is saying here in Psalm 19. God speaks to all of us in many different ways, yet it's through nature that he is so easily able to grab our attention. We've had several guys from church that have been on, on hunts recently out west for, for, for elk, and, and just the, the beauty, the pristine, uh, un, undamaged beauty of that area. We have some in the church that just love to go out and, and fish, and it's not always about catching a fish. It's about being out in, in nature and feeling God's presence and, and watching a, a gorgeous sunset. And that's what David's describing here, how I don't care what language you speak, this beauty of, of creation transcends any language, and it shouts that there is a creator behind this who, who loves us. Among other things, Jesus primarily saw nature as a way of illuminating the gospel and elements that are central to our, our faith. Do you remember the illustrations Jesus used? Most of them were from nature. Parables of seeds, of, of crops, of soil, of trees abound in Jesus' teachings, uh, unfolding deep spiritual truths and revealing elements about God's nature. If there's so much beauty in nature and we experience God speaking to us through it, doesn't it make sense that the church should lead the way in caring for the environment? If we don't, we might just miss the greatest opportunity to share the gospel, uh, the, the best chance that we, that we have. Psalm 8 is a, another psalm or song of, of David. And we know that David was an outdoorsman, a, a shepherd, a hunter, who killed bears and lions as he protected his flocks. We also know he was a musician. He played the harp, and he composed music about the wonder of nature, about this closeness that he felt to God while he was outdoors. Well, listen to Psalm 8, beginning in, in verse 3. He said, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, 
what is man that you are mindful of him, the, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and all that swim the paths of the sea. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. A 16-year-old young man sat on the side of a mountain watching the sun set across the, the vast Mojave Desert one evening. He said he had gone to this remote place to find answers to some of life's deepest questions. He said, I wanted to know if God existed, if creation was God's doing, and if my life had any purpose in it at all. And this is what he wrote after that evening. The voices roared, too little proof. And I replied, I have broken from the dense pines, and there I, I smelled the sap and, and grasped the earth. I've heard the silence and lifted my head to it, and as far as I could see, there was beauty. Swift shadows of clouds on silver fields, the, the colored sunset, the, the jagged Sierras smothering into the endless deserts. And now I say, haven't I seen the face of the Lord? Listen to this announcement from the Apostle Paul, Romans chapter 1, verse 20. He said, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. The Apostle Paul was saying, not only has God revealed himself to us through Scripture and through the witnessed ministry of Jesus, but God has revealed himself through nature. The creation is a compelling assurance of God's existence and evidence that too often is overlooked. The, the role of creation is to point mankind to God. As we read on in the Bible, we, we see the, the recipe from our creator. The recipe from our creator is, is to properly steward, maintain, and, and care for the earth. Try Robinson writes, over and over again, evil has a way of stealing things out of God's camp, values that the church is called to champion. And as a result of the Western church's apathy toward the environment, much of the world perceives the church as favoring a way of life that is destructive to the planet. He says, I, I believe it's time Christians begin to rediscover the values we have lost and be on the leading edge of promoting environmental stewardship with practical instruction on how to implement these ideals in our daily lives. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1, first chapter of the Bible, verses 26 through 31. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and the, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the earth. 
And then God said, I will give you seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit uh, with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath and life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw that he, what he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. I want you to sit back and I want you to enjoy this video. If we could completely black out the room, you'll marvel at the magnificence of God's creation that we've been entrusted to steward carefully.
one word, wow. You know, it says that the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. The role of creation is to point mankind to God. The recipe for our, from our creator is to properly steward and, and maintain and, and care for this earth. And finally, we see the response that the Christian is to care for creation. Revelation chapter 11, verse 18 warns, those who destroy the earth will themselves be destroyed. Did you remember that verse was in there? Revelation 11, 18. Following Jesus is not compatible with actions or inaction that destroy the earth. To follow Jesus is to take care of creation. Let me offer you some practical responses, which you can make applications starting today. Why don't you jot several of these down on, on your notes? Uh, this is a 10 simple steps that anyone can take to, to, to make a difference here with creation care. Number one is reuse, uh, replace five regular light bulbs with compact fluorescent or LED energy-saving bulbs. There's a statistic that if, if every household in America did this, swapped out five uh, incandescent bulbs for five of these uh, energy-saving bulbs, that nationally that would save the equivalent of uh, 21 coal-burning power plants, just if everyone were to make that small step. Number two, choose reusable products in, instead of disposables. Uh, electric razors over disposable blades. Dave Ramsey's been saying that for years because it's uh, financially more economical, but buying products with minimal packaging than recycling paper, plastic, newspaper, aluminum cans. Step three is add insulation to your walls and roof instead of, uh, excuse me, install weather stripping and, and caulk windows. You could save more than 20% in, in heating costs. Number four, turn down the heat at night or while away during the day. And aim for moderation for heating and cooling at times. Remember that the rule is to heat and cool the body, not the house. And that means in the winter you, you can put on a hat or wear a sweater, in the summer wear shorts and you don't have to heat the entire structure or cool the entire structure. Number five, leave the car at home when you can. Less driving means fewer emissions. Besides saving money and gas, walking and biking are great forms of exercise. Number six, choose energy efficient appliances and cars. Number seven, set your water heater at 120 degrees to save energy. Buy low flow shower heads and wash clothes in warm or cold water. Number eight, Everyone can do this. Don't leave the water running when you're brushing your teeth, shampooing your dog, or washing the car. Number nine, get a home energy audit from your utility company. Many offer rebate programs to help pay for the cost of energy-efficient upgrades. Number 10, become an informed steward. How can you help position our church to be better stewards of the environment? Your response can influence others. I know that Years ago, my wife's efforts and willingness to recycle affected me and helped me personally participate and, and develop a more responsible approach to recycling. As far as recycling as a church, some current steps that we are taking include a, a recycling of paper and cardboard in the office area, uh, publishing the, the midweek update newsletter via email, and as more volunteers step up, we, we can do more. What else can we do to be a better steward of the environment? Well, 
there are many ways for each of us to personally slow the fill of the, the landfills. And the principle of the three R's is to reduce, reuse, and recycle. And I'd like to add a fourth one, re-gift. Maybe not for the big Christmas items, but uh, you do have some clothes hanging in a closet that could benefit someone in need. So here's what you do. You donate them to, to Goodwill or Salvation Army. They end up in a thrift store. Many of them go to help someone on a fixed income, and the rest are, are bought back by your teens who are out thrifting. It's the circle of life for, for clothing. It's that food chain of, of clothes, and it puts unused items back in, into circulation. I learned of one church that sold reusable green bags, canvas bags used for grocery shopping, which eliminates the, the need for plastic bags. We gave out such bags last year at the, uh, the holiday parade, and, and those bags alone with our church logo on it can create curiosity or conversation, and people may be surprised that they were provided by a church, and it's a chance to say, we believe in, in being good stewards of the environment and cutting down on the number of paper or plastic bags, and this is one way to do that. So suddenly, before you can say paper or plastic, the unsuspecting grocery shopper is arrested by the thought that there's a church nearby that actually cares about God's creation as, as much as that shopper does. A family, a life group, a church, a business could adopt a highway and take responsibility for a mile stretch and, and keep it litter-free. Caring for the environment opens up so many doors on so many levels for us to take the love of Christ to others in the world. To those who claim that, well, shouldn't we care for people above all else? Obviously, I, I agree. However, caring for people is not oppositional to being a good steward of the earth. It is auxiliary. So caring for the environment is a powerful way for us to show that we care about people. It fleshes out the second prong of our mission statement with our commitment to love people. When Christian missionaries go into an African village and, and drill a well, they're spreading the love of Christ in a practical way. They don't want these people to die, and unless they have clean water, they will. So caring for people in developing countries through the means of environmental educational tools is a practical way to show them God's love. Teaching them to manage their land so that they don't extract all the nutrients out of it helps care for God's creation and demonstrate his love. Proper diet and nourishment will extend lifespans and prevent malnourishment-related diseases. As our actions begin to back up our talk, the world will begin to see a clearer picture emerge of, of what it means to, to follow God. And actions speak louder than words. The church can quickly become the leader in this area because many environmental groups merely express a love for God's creation without doing much about it. Peter Island writes that the laws of nature are themselves a miracle. The same ingredients that we breathe out are necessary for plants to breathe in, to live, so that they can produce oxygen. We have this amazing cycle of life. The, the earth is tilted just right at 23 degrees on its axis. And then we have these four seasons. Every creationist in my mind, he said, should be an environmentalist or a conservationist because 
when we look around and see what an awesome world we live in, we should do what we can to help it be that much more fruitful. Let me close with one final scripture, Romans chapter 8, verse 20 through 23. It says, For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. The creation is under a curse, but spiritually, mankind is too. We long to be liberated, to be set free in Christ, and be able to enjoy life to the fullest forever. This is our innate longing within every person.